This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Last week was Vision Sunday, and we've been talking about what it means to dig deep. We believe that's the word of the Lord for us as a church. More than a New Year's resolution, we believe God wants our lives to be fruitful. Anybody want to be fruitful in 2023? Anybody feel like over the last few years, their growth or their, their fruitfulness has been just a little stifled or maybe a little diverted, or perhaps you felt a little distracted by COVID-19. You guys hear about that? <laughs> Life got a little disrupted for, for many of you and for me. And I just really believe that the Lord wants us to become fruitful and to be fruitful, we've got to deepen our roots. And I said this last week, if you want more fruit, you got to deepen your roots and you got to go down deep with Jesus. And Jesus invites us into that. Last week, we looked at this John 15 verses four through five says this, abide in me and I will abide in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Anybody try to do life by yourself? That didn't work out too well, did it? Neither can you unless you abide in me. He says this, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is or she it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do some things, nothing, nothing. That's pretty bold, right? On Jesus's part. Well, I mean, Jesus, I'm a pretty good guy, right? I do good things for others. I can surely do a few things. Jesus says, apart from me, courageous church, you can do nothing. So today we're kicking off a new series to helping you deepen your life in the vine and to deepen your roots with Jesus. And we're calling it habits of the holy. I believe the Lord has given us a holy calling and a holy mandate for Salt Lake City. I believe that's a big reason why he has us here. It's a big reason why he has you here today and with us as a church and I believe this calling is not just for us as a church, but it's for the sake of our city and for the sake of our world. Amen? First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 declares this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. I want you to underline that in your Bibles or swipe that or highlight that. And being sober-minded, in other words, not being crazy, set your hope more fully on what? Grace on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a few immediate things that stand out to me in this passage, and I just wanna to briefly touch on them. The first being that God wants our minds to be prepared. He wants you to be prepared for action, and he wants you to be sober-minded. He wants you to be in your right mind, which means that you're, you're alert, and you're awake, and you're watchful, and you're ready. This is an imperative clause here. It's something that he's calling you and I to do, to be. It's an action statement, meaning God wants us to respond. He's not going to do this for us. He wants you and I to do it. He wants us to be prepared and he wants us to be sober minded about what? About the day and age that we live in. And we saw last week in Ephesians four, he doesn't want us to be immature like children. He doesn't want us to be tossed around by every wave of new teaching that comes along. He doesn't want us to be tricked and deceived by lies so clever that sound like the truth. And right now we're living in a cultural moment where there is a lot of that going on. He wants us to be mature or mature. <laughs> 
The only way this is going to happen is if we have our minds prepared and we're sober-minded and we're temperate and we're alert and we're watchful and we're ready and we're not sleeping on the job, right? Any of you ever get caught sleeping on the job? (laughs) How'd that work out for you? (laughs) Remember in school when you'd like try to pretend that you were awake while the teacher was on the chalkboard or I guess for like you younger people on your your Chromebooks? (laughs) I remember trying to like put your hands, like bury your head in your hands and take a quick little nap. Did anybody else try to do that or was it just me? Okay, so God doesn't want you to nap through this cultural moment that we're in. He doesn't want you asleep. He wants you awake, sober-minded, prepared, watchful, so that what? We can set our hopes more fully on good works, impressing people with our religious image, impressing people with the amount of followers we have on Facebook or how many people follow us on Instagram? No, he wants us to set our minds and our hope more fully on grace, on the gift that is God, his unmerited, undeserved favor for all of our lives. Anybody want more grace? Come on. Well, here's the good news. Jesus promises us more grace. In fact, Peter here indicates that the grace we now know in this moment as the church and the here now will be made fuller and more complete in the final revelation of Jesus in his second coming. How cool is that? Meaning if you think you're highly favored of the Lord now, just wait until Jesus comes. Just wait until the giver of gifts who is good to us comes and brings it about in greater fullness. And I love that the imperative here is to be prepared, setting our hope fully on the grace that is to come before the call to walk in obedience and holiness comes. Did you catch that? Grace always precedes holiness. Grace always precedes holiness. Without grace, you and I cannot be holy as he is holy. Meaning that holiness is not a work of the flesh. It's actually a work of the spirit. It's a grace of the spirit. It's a gift to us or to those of us who look to him in faith. How's your faith today? Are you looking to Jesus? Are you setting your hope more fully on the grace that is to come? Those of us who deserved the cross were given what? Grace and mercy. We were given favor that we didn't deserve. And I love the way that Peter frames this right at the outset of this letter to uh, the church here, he says this in 1 Peter 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to the what? Great mercy that he has caused us to be born again. Once again, you didn't save yourself. You didn't cause yourself to be born again. It's a work of the Spirit, by the Spirit, from Jesus for you. All rooted in grace. All rooted in love. All rooted in what he did when he stepped into our flesh and took on our humanity and walked among us and allowed himself to be emptied of his privileges as God, becoming sin so that we who were sinful could know his righteousness. So that we could become, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So there is a, there is a process, a transformation, uh, a metamorphosis that God wants to do with you and me as believers. Pastor Jim, who was here a couple weeks ago, talked about the elementary things and how we, we need to kind of grow up in some areas and we need to stop returning to, uh, the things that we should already be masters and teachers of by now. 
Were you guys here for that message? And that's the call. And that's a big part of what I'm hearing the Lord say for our church this year as we cross the, the three-year-old kind of, uh, we've gotten out of the terrible twos. We're still toddlers, so we're still kind of bouncing around and into things. But God wants us to grow up in some areas. He wants us to become mature and like Christ. He wants us to be holy. And so there's a call for this. But before we can get to the call, we need to understand that grace always precedes holiness. It's a work of the Spirit, and God wants to bear forth this work or this fruit in our lives. Are you with me today? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16 goes on to say this. As obedient children, do not be conformed. I want you to underline that or highlight that. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, he says. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I want to know real quickly, what's the opposite of not being conformed to the passion of your former ignorance? It's being conformed to Jesus. It's being conformed to the image of the one who has saved you and redeemed you and set you free. That's the opposite. Because the truth is this, everybody's going to be conformed to something. Everybody's going to be conformed to the image of something or even someone. It's either going to be the world or it's going to be God. It's either going to be the culture of the day or it's going to be the kingdom of the heavens. It's either going to be Hollywood, come on somebody, or heaven. And that's what holiness is about. It's about formation. It's about this process and this journey that God has each and every one of us on the minute he called us out of our life of sin and bondage and into his kingdom of marvelous light. It's about what God is forming in us. Amen. And he's about formation because he wants something to be formed in you, in your heart, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, and even with your witness. I like the way that, that pastor and author John Tyson kind of lays this out for us in what he calls the five movements of formation. The five movements of formation. Let's put it up there. We have number one, formation. And formation is, is really about what practices and patterns that you're being formed by and fashioned in. So every one of us is being formed and fashioned in something. Every one of us is being discipled by someone. It's either Jesus or it's the world. But then he goes into what he calls deformation. Deformation is recognizing what forces have deformed your life or, or misshapen you. Every one of us has, has dealt with this from the moment of conception onward. We all deal with brokenness and sin. And for some of us who've been alive long enough, hurt. And so the forces of deformation begin to shape us and distort us and deform us into something other than what God has for us. But he says, but then how we respond is through counterformation. Counterformation is all about how you resist and how you push back with alternative practices that look more like Jesus and less like the world. The Bible says if you resist evil and you resist the devil, he will flee from you. If you resist temptation, right? So there's a, a pushback that you and I are called to actually step into. We're not passive in this thing called life. We are active participants on the battlefields of life where God has given you and I a mission to push back against darkness, to push back against the cultural forces that want to lull us to sleep, to push back against the things that want to pattern us after the world. 
Paul says in Romans, do not be conformed to the image of the world or the patterns thereof, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Once again, it's about formation. It's about a process. And then, of course, that leads us into transformation. And transformation is all about what brings you from one state of being into the next. Experiencing that change that we all want to experience from within and without. Amen? And that's the the product of, of hearing the gospel and allowing the spirit to work and having our minds renewed. That's when we begin to experience real transformation. And more than anything this year, that's what I'm praying for for every one of you. That you would experience a spirit-formed, transformative life. And then that leads us into the final movement of this, which is confirmation. This is about the person that you're being changed to look like. The Bible says that every one of us as believers is being conformed into the image of the Son. So there's a there's a person, there's a there's an actual likeness and an image that God has already preset for your life that He wants you to become more in sync with. He wants you to bear the image of. Wasn't that the goal and the design from the start? Genesis chapter one, God breathes into man, forming him from the dust of the earth, and he gives him what? His image and likeness. You and I were called to be image bearers of God, of Christ Jesus, the firstborn of the dead, the Bible says. So you and I that are, that are moving along further and further as we follow Jesus aren't just doing so aimlessly and without direction. No, God is, is setting a mold. He's setting like, you ever pour concrete for those of you that work in construction? What do you do first? You set the frame. You set the frame. You get that wood frame all lined up. Then what do you do? You start to put some rhubarb in there, right? Get some of those metal rods and you start to kind of line it up and enforce it. And then what happens? Then you pour the concrete mix and you add the water. And then hopefully if you know what you're doing, you make it look all nice and you brush it and Am I talking to anybody who's ever had to do that before? I'm the son of a contractor. I've had to do that before. (laughs) But it's all about formation. And there's a pattern and there's a framework that God wants us to step into. The way that we're going to do this is through what I'm calling developing habits of being holy. The habits of the holy. These are seven practices. And today we're going to start with our very first one, which is prayer and fasting. The truth is habits are vital in our life because they define who we are and what we are becoming, which is why we need to adopt some holy habits, amen? And to do that, we need to look at the example of Christ and we need to follow his lead in this area. As a church, if we wanna be transformed and conformed to look more and more like Jesus this year, I believe that we need to actually do some of the things that Jesus did. Would you guys agree with that? So we're gonna start with this first habit this week called prayer and fasting. And my presupposition, I guess you could say my my thesis is this, Jesus prayed and fasted, so you and I need to pray and fast. So we're like, why do we pray and fast? Listen, I can give you 21 great theological answers, but let me just make it simple for you. Jesus did it, and if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, amen? And it's good enough for you. Jesus prayed and Jesus fasted, so we need to pray and we need to fast. Now, regarding prayer, there's two primary ways that we're gonna do this as a church through the next 21 days beginning tomorrow. We're gonna be doing what we call corporate prayer and we're gonna be doing what we call secret prayer, okay? So let's focus on these two primary types of prayer first. Corporate prayer and secret prayer. As the body of Christ, There is a time and a place 
set apart for every one of us and already made holy by God for corporate prayer and consecration. In fact, we've already gathered today to do that. And we do that every weekend when we come together and we lift up prayers in the presence of God and in the presence of others. And this is powerful. We see a pattern of this, a framework for this, all throughout the Old Testament where God would call people to do this in a public or corporate setting, to cry out together to him. I love what we see in Joel chapter one, verse 14. Let's throw it up there. It says this, announce a time of fasting, call the people together for a solemn, or some translations say sacred meeting or assembly, and bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there and cry out to him there. When we come together and worship, when we come together on Sundays, that's what we're doing. We're crying out to Jesus. We're crying out to the Lord. We're saying, Lord, come heal our city. Lord, come heal our families. Lord, come heal our hearts. Come do what only you can do. And we begin to set our hearts on him and we begin to stop focusing on the affairs and issues of our life and we begin to cry out to Jesus. It's also why as a church, we've set aside a special time to do this once a week on our Tuesday nights. And I told you last week that beginning in February, we're gonna be shifting to a once a month Tuesday night gathering, what we're calling a first Tuesday of every month. We're at 7 p.m., we're gonna come in here and we're gonna cry out to the Lord together in prayer and in worship. We're gonna lift up our voices and we're gonna do this starting February 7th, every month on the first Tuesday of the month. We wanna invite you to come out and be a part of that. It's gonna be powerful. So corporate prayer involves us crying out to the Lord together. It also can take on an intercessory role. Much of what we do on Tuesday is also intercessory, meaning that we're stepping into the gap. We're, we're, we're stepping into the, the space on behalf of other people and others that you know in your world and your family and friends and those that need Jesus. You guys know anybody that need Jesus? Come on. Let's, let's take up that mandate this year and let's step into that gap and keep praying for them, amen? So we do this on behalf of others. Ephesians 6.18 says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests or petitions. And with this in mind, there it is again, be alert, be sober-minded, and always, always, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. One of the, the things that I love most about this first Tuesday of the month gathering is that we're just gonna pray for all of God's people. And we do this. We lift up other churches throughout the valley. We pray for what God's doing in, in different fellowships and in different areas. And this is an important role and ministry that God has appointed us to. So this year, I want to challenge some of you who've never come to one of our prayer gatherings, come to a prayer gathering. Join us, even if it's just once a month, come on. We've made it really simple so that more people can get involved. We're gonna have live worship. There's gonna be greater moments for, for healing and for laying on of hands and just for there to be reception of ministry. It's gonna be awesome. But it takes all of us coming together, lifting up our voices as one body with one voice to see this happen, amen? And so this is a big part of what we do through corporate prayer. As a believer, this is what we're commanded to do. All of us are commanded to do this, and we do this on Sundays, as I've already mentioned, but it's not just the pastors and the prophets and the professionals. Come on, it's all of us as the body of Christ doing our part, amen? I'll say it this way, and Pastor Lee Cummings said this. He said, if we want to see praise in the streets, then we need to see prayer in his house. If we want to see praise in Salt Lake City, we need to see prayer at Courageous Church, amen? And I believe that. I believe that's a mandate that we're called to walk in.
So we practice corporate prayer on Sundays and on Tuesdays, but we also do what Jesus called secret prayer, secret prayer. Jesus actually had a lot to say about this kind of prayer. Uh, I like the way he says this in Matthew chapter six, verses five through six. He taught his disciples to do this. And when you pray, you must not be like the what? The hypocrites, the mask wearers, the pretenders, those that think they've got it all together. For they love to stand and pray out in the synagogue and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Do you see the motive here? Jesus deals with the motivation. You see, they were doing prayer in a corporate way, but not because they were crying out as unto the Lord, like Joel commands, but because they wanted to be seen by other people. They wanted to be noticed for how awesome and how loud and how lavish their prayer language was. You ever, you ever met anybody that just like prays in the King James? You know, like that, just, just laying it all out, thus and thou and ooh, and God doesn't need that. He wants your heart. He wants us to be real. Amen, church? Some of you are like, I don't even know what the King James is. That's okay. <laughs> he says, when you pray, don't do it this way. But when you pray, verse 6, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is where? In secret. He's in the secret place. And your father in heaven who sees in secret will reward you. You know what I love about God the Father is that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God loves to reward your faith. God loves to reward your obedience. God loves to reward your seeking him and putting him first. You know, as, as a parent, I love my kids. I really do. And I love when they come to me and are like, oh, hey, dad, I love you. You're the best. But sometimes they have motivations that aren't exactly pure. <laughs> Any of you parents figure this out? <laughs> hey, Dad, I was just wondering, you know, can we go to In-N-Out today? Dad, you're, you're so awesome. You're the best. You're the best dad ever. Can I play video games? Dad, could we go to the movies? Oh, right. And, I, and, and I'm okay with it as a father. It makes me laugh. It makes me chuckle. But you know what really moves my heart? When my kids come to me because they don't want anything but me. When they just say like, hey, Dad, how was your day today? How are you doing? I'm like, oh, Thanks. Thanks for asking. Thanks for seeking me for my sake and not for my things. <laughs> and God says that when you do this, when you seek him with all of your heart, Jeremiah says, not only will he be found by you, but here Jesus says he will reward you. He will reward you. God is the giver of good gifts, but he wants to reward your obedience and he wants to reward the way that you seek him. Jesus himself practiced this we see a picture of this all throughout the New Testament. Jesus practiced secret prayer. He would get off in a solitary place and he would get alone with the Father and he would get into that secret place and he would pray. How many of you guys have a secret place where you can go and just be alone with the Father, just be alone with him and pray? I wanna encourage you, if you don't, get one. Maybe it's your office at home or maybe it's a, you know, a little spot up in the mountains or wherever it is that you need to go to, to be alone with God, do that. Practice secret prayer and keep it a secret. Meaning don't post a picture of your Bible open with your coffee mug on Instagram and say, I'm in my secret place right now. Look at me. <laughs> You've never done that, Matt, right? I've never done that, right? No, not us. 
The secret place is meant to be a secret. So keep it a secret. Jesus says, listen, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, those that want attention, you've already got your reward. If your reward is people going, wow, here's a heart, here's a thumbs up, that's pretty cheap and shallow compared to the glory and the goodness of what God wants to give us when we seek him in the secret place. So much of what we're gonna do over the next 21 days is gonna be secret prayer. Meaning I'm not gonna know about it, you're not gonna know about it, but it's gonna be a secret. And the reason that he taught this way was because he wants to shape our heart and form our hearts to be and to find our contentment in Christ and not in the world. And not in what others think of us or high five us about or perceive us as. And God doesn't want us to be trying to, per, to manage our, our image and to be caught up in that. He wants to free us and liberate us from that so that we can delight in the Lord and delight in the secret place being with him. If your motive for prayer is to be heard and seen, you're missing the point. If your motive is to get what you want, you're missing the point. If your motive is anything other than the will and pleasure of God, you're missing the point. And that's why we need to cultivate this in our life. And we need to fast. Regarding fasting, to shift gears now, we see how in addition to calling people to corporate and secret prayer, God calls his people, he calls us as a church, to corporate fasting and secret fasting. Are you with me? So the principles for fasting are generally the same as with prayer. When we do a corporate fast like we're about to do, we come into unity with what God wants to say to us as a church, as a, as a body, as a family, okay? And so this is one of the reasons we fast, so that we can turn down the noise in all of our lives and turn up the volume on God's voice so that it can be heard. The truth is this, God is always speaking to us, we're just not always listening, okay? And so why we fast is to better align ourselves with being able to hear his voice. It's one of many reasons. Another reason why we fast is so that we can learn to find our true contentment in the Lord and not just in food. As I said last week, I love food. Those of you that are foodies, you love food. Food is good. Food is a gift, but food needs to find its rightful place under the authority and lordship of Christ. And so not only does God want to meet our physical need, but he wants to meet our spiritual need, and he cannot do this when we're just focused on the physical. So what we do is we starve our fear and we feed our faith. <laughs> we starve our, our fear of, of missing out on a meal or not having enough or feeling the hunger pain and we feed our faith, we feed our contentment in the Lord. Jesus himself modeled this and, and did this when he said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on what? Bread alone. There it is. Man shall not live on 2023 translation, pizza alone. So put away the DiGiorno for 21 days, all right, and fast with us. Man shall not live on the bread, but by every word spoken of the mouth of God, by every word of God. You see, when faced with the choice to feed himself, Jesus chose to feast on the spiritual food that he was receiving from his father rather than on the natural food that his disciples wanted to offer him. He would later tell the disciples when they asked him, they said, Rabbi, Jesus, you've been ministering all day. You've been working all day. You've been out in the field all day. You're exhausted. You're tired. You need to eat something. 
I love his response in John 4, verse 32 and 34. He says, I have food that you know not of. I've got some secret food that you know nothing about, Peter, James, and John. He says this, and he goes on to say this in verse 34. My food is actually to do the will of him, my father who sent me and finish his work. I love that. Jesus just, just brings his attention back to the fact that he, he's drawing his strength and his nourishment and his strength, not from the fish and the bread and the food that they offered him, but from his father in heaven. And can I tell you this, if you've never fasted, I want you to, to, to test the Lord and try the Lord in this. I want you to step out in faith and do something you've never done, which is try going a day or two without food. All right, for some of you are like, yeah, but what if I get headaches, what if I get? Listen, go to the Lord and pray before you fast, but trust the Lord can sustain you and will bring you through this. And you may even find yourself in a place where you feel better than you ever have. A lot of times when I fasted about three, four, five days in, I start to get this energy and this wave of like just feeling the presence of the Lord. And it's so much more invigorating than pepperoni pizza or Wendy's French fries or a, a double double for in and out. Some of you guys are getting real hungry right now. Don't worry, we start tomorrow. <laughs> but there's, there's something amazing that happens when we begin to fast, when we begin to trust God in this way, which implies, if Jesus said this, it implies that God can and will sustain you when you fast. And if you've never done this, this is a great opportunity to do that. In the next 21 days of seeking the Lord together through prayer and fasting, what we're calling seek, a season of seeking the Lord. We've put together this booklet for you, okay? So now you can open it up if you have one. And this is a guide that's gonna help you to pray and to fast with us. And there are three major focuses that I want us as a church to really engage in. Are you ready for them? Three major focuses. We kind of hinted at them last week. In, up, and out. In, up, and out. Or as we put together here in the book, heart, home and city. Heart is all about what God wants to do in us. Home is all about what God wants to do in our relationships. And city is all about what God wants to do in our world. Amen. And so here's how we're going to do this practically. I'm going to move fast for the sake of time. There's four ways that I want you to engage with us. If Courageous Church is your home church, I want to challenge you to do this and to engage with us in one of these four ways, maybe two or three of them, or maybe all of them, but here they are. Number one, I want you to choose a fast. Okay, this could be a water fast. A water fast is when all you do is drink water for the nature and duration of the fast. You could also choose a, to do a juice fast where all you do is juice. All right, for those of you that like to juice, this is awesome. There's also what's called the Daniel fast. All right, you can look up more information on our website about this. But the Daniel fast is basically no meats and no sweets. It's when, when Daniel was asked and presented with the, the delectable, delicious foods of the king. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep it simple. And then number four, you can do a selective meal fast, okay? The selective meal fast could look like this. One day a week you fast, just one day. Or you could do a three-day fast, or you could do a 10-day Daniel fast, or you could do a 21-day fast or even one meal per day, okay? That's a selective meal. So you can modify the schedule to fit your needs. Now, some of you who have health needs or challenges, I'm not encouraging you to push yourself to the brink of exhaustion, Okay, but I want you to pray and to ask the Lord, God, how can I fast with Courageous Church in this next season? And as I've said before in previous fasts that we've done, if you fall off the wagon, you have a breakdown and you find yourself at Del Taco in the middle of the night, like myself, 
ask for God's forgiveness and get back on the wagon. (laughs) All right. This is not about perfection. This is about grace. This is a work of grace. God gives us the grace of prayer and the grace of fasting because he wants to draw us closer and he wants us to help. He wants to help us hear his voice. Amen. So I want you to write down in your book. You don't have to do it right now, but when you go home today, before we begin tomorrow, I want you to choose a fast. And I'm very serious about this. I want you to take this seriously and be intentional. Amen. Number two, here's another way that you can engage with us. You can remove comfort. This could be social media. It could be entertainment. It could be material items. All right. Going out and shopping, you know, like whatever it is that that you like to do, remove that said comfort so that you can focus that time on the Lord. Number three, the third way that I want you to engage with us is to pray and to intercede. All right, so I've already mentioned this. Find a secret time and a secret place to pray. You could also set your alarm maybe 30 minutes earlier in the morning to get up a little earlier and pray, or maybe set an alarm right before you go to bed that you're gonna, you're gonna devote 30 minutes to pray before you go to sleep. I think praying at night is just as valuable as praying in the morning, okay? So maybe you're a night person. This is great. Engage. Jump into this. Or you can attend our corporate prayer gathering on February 7th, our prayer night. We'd love to have you be a part of that. So pray and intercede with us. And then lastly, number four, read, read the Bible. Engage in the Bible. And there's so many different ways you can do this. You could use the YouVersion app on your phone. How many of you guys have ever used YouVersion? It's a great app. Okay, they have a 20-day reading plan on there. They have like 10 or 20 of them. So, so grab one and, and, and dive into that. You could use this seat guide. In this guide on, I think like the third or fourth page, we've actually put together a calendar with focuses and scriptures for each day. And I think that's pretty awesome. So jump into the seat guide or better yet, number three, you could just come up with your own reading plan and let the spirit lead you. But I've found that if you are structured and you write it down and you're intentional, that you'll actually follow through. All right. If you're like, well, I'll just kind of like go by the seat of my pants and I'll just trust the work of the spirit. It's probably, you're probably not going to read the Bible at all. You're going to get busy. Something's going to happen. All right. But here's the deal. If you and I can binge watch Netflix for hours on end, we can give God some of our time in prayer and fasting. Amen. There's actually uh, a place, like I said, on, on page six of your guide to help you do this. So I want you on that same page to write out what God is asking of you over the next 21 days. We want to encourage everybody to do this. Okay. So in closing, I'll say this. What is God asking of you for the next 21 days from tomorrow till Sunday, February 12th? What does God want for you? Maybe it's all of these. Maybe it's some of these. But follow through and be obedient to what the Holy Spirit says to you in the whisper of your heart. Maybe you're like, I, you know what? I don't really know. Well, then try one of these. You're not going to fail trying something that God has already ordained for you to step into. Amen. The truth is he's already in the secret place waiting for you and for me. He loves us so much, you guys. He wants us to do this not out of some misplaced religious devotion. He wants us to do this because he wants to say some things to you and to me for 2023. And right at the start, this is the best time of the year to do that. Do you guys believe that? Are you with me? As a final encouragement, I'll say this. Don't overcommit. Okay, start small, do a few things and follow through. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Start with just a few things and watch how God shows up in a big and mighty way. Amen. 
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.